The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. New co-host, Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, coming up here shortly, as well as guest Jarrell Poe, because it's game week. Ole Miss, Florida, Saturday, 11 a.m. Central Time on ESPN. It's here, the season, the 2020 season, it's here. And we've got it all covered here on Talk of Champions. But before we get started, let me tell you about my bookie. Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At MyBookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice! The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, TOC, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code TOC, TOC, and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Brian Scott Rippey no longer a part of this podcast not because i fired him or something or got rid of him brian scott rippy is starting his own podcast for the Ole Miss spirit he has to he used to host the rebel report for super talk mississippi this was always the plan but here i am again years of doing talk of champions looking for a co-host but i didn't have to look far i just called up bradley sal and said hey man it's time it's time your ticket has been pulled and Brad answered the call. What's up, man? 
Hey, how's it going, Ben? Appreciate you letting me crash your party, man. I'm fired up. I'm going to be honest with you because for the longest, it's been me and Rippy or me and Sudo, me and whoever, 40 for a long time. I could bounce a lot of stuff off of 40 football-wise and he could tell me and school me on football. Now I got you, same kind of deal. The football stuff I don't understand but pretend to, you can actually tell me about. This is good. No doubt. And I may be pretending as well, but I can <laughs> um, I can definitely act like I know what I'm talking about since I, since I played for a year or two. Yeah, and you're unofficially but officially retired from the NFL. Eight years, right? Correct, yep. Eight eight full seasons, and I'm, I'm retired until they give me the right price or, or they convince me otherwise, which is highly unlikely. So, well, it looks like I'm retired. Do you have a blown-up picture of your touchdown catch with the Bears in your home somewhere? You know what, let me look. I, I don't think I do. Yeah, no, I, I don't have one. I have I have some jerseys and a helmet, Um you know, a couple little things, but you know, not not the. I, I would honestly put up a picture of um, me playing golf at some cool places before I would the touchdown. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I don't have it yet. I, I need to get one though. Okay, well, all right. You're getting a Christmas card from me this year, so I guess that's going to be included. So just expect a Christmas present from Ben, or maybe an eight by ten of you doing that ridiculous dance. It was great. You told your daughters you were going to do something special, and you did. Got to listen. I knew I would never that would never happen again, and um, I was I was planning for the dance to go a little longer. I actually wanted to you know drop it down a little bit too, but I ended up getting hit from the back. So um, I, I got what I got in. You know, today's guest on Talk of Champions is another good friend of the pod. It's Jarrell Poe, former Ole Miss defensive tackle and all time fan favorite at Ole Miss. I'm gonna make you feel old. I made Poe feel old on Sunday, September 27th. The day after Ole Miss kicks off its 10-game All-SEC slate for the 2020 season is the 12-year anniversary of the upset in the swamp. Tim Tebow cried the blocked extra point of 40s, the Marcus Temple stop on fourth down, Shea Hodges touchdown catch. It's going to be celebrated. It's the anniversary on Sunday. And Poe said it felt like it was yesterday. It baffled him. Same thing for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe that was twelve years ago. Holy smoke! That um, yeah, that was a special day. I mean, that was, yeah, that was wild. We end up end up knocking them off. And looking back at that team, you look at that Florida team. I mean, they had dude, they had dudes for days on that team. They, I can guarantee you, half that team played in the NFL and were like really good players in the NFL. So, yeah, that was that was wild. I can't believe that was twelve years ago. That was a lot of football games ago. Twelve years ago, and for you, it was special. You were a redshirt freshman, if I believe. And when you signed on mm-hmm. and committed at Ole Miss, you signed on and committed at a time in which Ole Miss football was not in a great place. Hadn't won very many games at all under Ed Orgeron. Houston Nutt comes along, changes the culture, if you want to call it that. You did spend one year with Ed O. But learning how to win. Y'all knew you had the talent, but that game, even though you lost to Vanderbilt, I think a week later, which was just ridiculous, but that game in particular, was it like validation for what y'all knew that y'all had the team y'all had. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we had so much talent on that team. It was um, looking back on it. I mean, yeah, we should we should have been even better than we were, to be honest with you. But yeah, that that was one we finally pulled off after a couple of years of um, you know we were always so close with Coach O when he was here. I mean, there was game after game. I feel like we should have did one little thing and we could have won it. So yeah, that was that was that was kind of one of those moments where we finally pulled one off. If I'm not mistaken, I think we were losing that game at halftime. Oh yeah, pretty- it was seventeen to seven. Yeah, seventeen seven and a half. Yeah, so that was one of those ones where it was it was nice to pull it off. When I look back at Ed O's time at Ole Miss and the missed opportunities, the one game that sticks out the most—not the Egg Bowl that got him fired—the one that sticks out the most to me 
is the Alabama game in Tuscaloosa. Y'all should have won that game, or they should have won that game. He could recruit like hell, make you competitive, but when it was winning time, couldn't get over the hump, couldn't win. But now Ed Ogeron has obviously gotten over the hump. He's a national championship winning head coach, so good for him. But it wasn't always like that. And at Ole Miss, it was always a player here short of actually pulling off the upset. And that's what made Houston Nutt actually getting y'all over the hump kind of the mayor of Oxford in his time there until it all fell apart completely. And we could get into that another day. Houston Nutt, despite arriving at Ole Miss without his fastball and only his curveball, it didn't matter because all y'all needed was that little extra push. Y'all had the talent. Ed Orgeron gave Ole Miss its best collection of talent outside of Hugh Freeze's first couple of years that it's ever had. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. What, what game was that whenever – I think if we were down at LSU and we should have fell on top of a fumble. Yeah. That was one that always sticks in my head. I mean, it was literally – if we pick up that fumble, we beat LSU down there, and we end up – I think they end up recovering and scoring or – but yeah, there were so many close games with Coach O. It was, um, I mean, goodness gracious, yeah, he could have he could have won a couple of those, and he he may still be our coach today with the way he recruited talent. Yeah, and what's frustrating too is not committing fully to Brent Schaefer because back then these up tempo spread offenses they weren't around yet. Brent Schaefer would be perfect yeah. in the modern day, not just college but NFL. You see what Kyler Murray is doing at the professional level, Lamar Jackson, Brent Schaefer. Not saying he was those types of talent. But he had those type of qualities, and he committed to Seth Adams more than he committed to Brent Schaefer. Yeah, he Brent Schaefer. I mean, he was right before the time of the, of the spread offense, um, kind of spread it out. I mean, yeah, if he, you get a Brent Schaefer now, we'd be pretty happy with him. I mean, he would he he would be much more successful. But him, Brent Schaefer under center was um, yeah not not ideal. Well, this is game week. And it's the 12-year anniversary, like I mentioned, of the upset in 2008. I don't know if the SEC scheduling group had this in mind when they scheduled Florida for Ole Miss in week one of the 10-game All-SEC slate. If they did, bully for them, they probably didn't. They probably didn't care whatsoever. But it's really kind of perfect that that's what is going to kind of coincide with the weekend, that this is the 12-year anniversary. Not to say that Ole Miss is going to upset Florida on Saturday, but if they were to, I don't think they are. They're 15-point dogs, I think. But if they did, what a perfect celebration that would be. That just adds more hype to a weekend that's already got plenty of hype, considering that not many of us ever thought that they would get to this point of playing football. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, yeah, I mean the, well, I'm just happy to be playing football. I don't know about everybody else. I mean, I don't care who comes in here and plays. But, um, yeah, I'm just glad, glad we're playing football. And, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we, who knows? Who knows this week? I mean, you got – you don't you don't know what a team's got to to roll it out there anyway. So I mean, if there was ever a time for for someone to show up and surprise, so, I mean, think of this: like they don't they don't what what offense are they watching right now? Are they watching you know um, Lane Kiffin's offense from FAU? I mean, you got to match up personnel. So I mean, them preparing for us hasn't been the easiest thing ever for them. So if there was ever a game where you can come in and knock someone off, it's this first one because no one knows what Ole Miss is going to roll out there offensively or defensively. They can only go off of what film they've seen from from these previous coaches. So, I mean, who, who knows? Who knows? Let, let, let's line it up on Sunday. This is why you line it up and play. I mean, yeah, they, they look good on paper. You know, don't know about us. We'll see. Come on. Bring it on. See, that's what I love about games like this. It's a free shot for everybody in college football. It's a mulligan because of the circumstances involving COVID. But with Lane Kiffin, he doesn't have to necessarily go out there and win five, six, seven games for Ole Miss fans to get on board. Just be competitive. Go out there and show that you're on the right track. That's why this game by itself 
is so intriguing because it is a free shot and there has been absolutely zero practice access for the media to go see what Ole Miss is. We don't know. We're just going based off of what players and coaches tell us in regards to what's happening in practices. Florida definitely doesn't know. And that's why I love, and it's such a good coaching thing. You know this better than anybody. I love depth chart release misinformation. On Monday, Ole Miss released its depth chart. And all of us know that Matt Corral is going to start. That's going to happen. I have it on good authority that two weeks ago there was a conversation between Jeff Levy and his two quarterbacks and essentially said, we're a couple of weeks out from this. Matt's going to get the majority of the first team reps. We're going to still factor you in, John Rice. But basically, Matt's the guy. We know he's going to start, but it's still a Matt Corral or John Rice Plumlee situation. When you look at the Ole Miss quarterback yeah. situation, how do you assess it? Yeah, I mean, I, I love how they just put the big or on the depth chart. I mean, you can't, you, you just don't don't want to throw it out there. But, yeah, let's just put a or, big or just to make sure we, we can throw the other team off. But, I mean, the way I see it is that, honestly, I'm just like you guys. I haven't been able to see anything either. I would um, if, I, if I'm judging off the past, um, my only guess would be that Matt probably fits – the only thing he's telling me is Matt probably they're probably planning on throwing the ball quite a bit more than than what they have in the past and and just judging on that I mean they're they're gonna want they're probably gonna go with Corral um, you know you would like to see John Rice get a you hope his throwing came along a little bit and and, and like it's gonna sort itself out when we start these games I mean it's gonna it, you're gonna roll them out there and somebody's gonna be a gamer I mean you know we'll, we'll see what happens this Corral Corral concerns me with his his, his body language and his you know, his, his control of the team. Is he going to be loose with the ball? Is he going to be able to protect the ball? You, know, you just don't know. We'll, we'll see what Ole Miss's offense is, what their scheme is, and we'll be able to tell which one fits. I mean, if they come out there slinging that ball, um, you know, I'm, not, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to want Matt in there. So um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, we'll see how they look just, just based off the pass. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised John Rice isn't in there. When you're considering it with Matt Corral, the one knock against him last year, the biggest knock against him was that he improvised too much. In the NFL, having played so long, in college, having played so long, you know this. Freedom is given to certain quarterbacks, but that freedom is earned. And if you're Matt Corral, I think the maturation of knowing that, yes, last year you improvised a little too much. This is a new staff. Lane Kiffin is strict to his system. You have to earn that, right? So if you're going to be able to switch up plays or whatever, that's something that can't happen in game one. That's something that's going to happen. We're playing 10 games here. Game six, game five. Correct. Yeah. I mean, he'll, he'll have to come out and prove himself pretty quickly, but I mean, you know what, these guys that practice all camp, um, obviously that they had a short time to choose one of these guys. And, and I mean, if, if they're going with Matt Corral, obviously he showed them that, that he, that he's the guy for their scheme. And I'm telling you, man, scheme, a scheme is huge in football. I mean, it's, it, you can make a guy look really good or a guy look really bad. And if, if this scheme is a heavy pass scheme, like I think it's going to be a heavy downfield scheme, my thought is John Rice just didn't look as good as he could have in that scheme throwing it, and Matt probably looked better than that. Now, if they're, if they're asking these guys to run a little more, of course John Rice is going to look better. So I, I, I can't wait to see the first game just to kind of get an idea of what they're planning on running, and I'll know right away which, which one's going to be more successful in this offense. And I'm, and I'm hoping both of them get to play, and I'm hoping that one of them will rise to the top whenever, whenever the game time comes. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's Bradley Sal. 
the new co-host of Talk of Champions, Brian Scott Rippey, is going to start his own podcast this week. I think the first episode comes out on Wednesday, so be looking on looking out for that. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. When you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say. I don't care. Just leave a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Jarrell Poe coming up in just a little bit. Let me tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Celebrate! Ole Miss football, it's here. We made it. We made it. Yeah, the season looks a little different, but some normalcy has returned. Now's as good a time as any then to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Think about it. Riding around in your new Jeep Gladiator, your Ole Miss car flag flying on your way to see the Rebels play, can you believe it, in style. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford has you covered, and no, you don't have to worry about COVID-19. They're open for all of your vehicle needs, taking extra precautions to ensure your car buying process is as seamless and safe as possible. Even better, they're offering customers the opportunity to purchase a vehicle completely over the phone or the internet with the delivery to your home. You pick out the vehicle you like, simply contact them by phone, email, through the website, and they'll prepare the paperwork, review it with you on the phone, and bring it and your vehicle to your home to finalize. So what are you waiting for? Why not? Why not now? Give them a call. 662-638-0044. That's 662-638-0044. Visit them online at allensamuelsoxford.com or see them in person. Socially distanced, of course, at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. You brought it up with John Rice Plumley. He's going to have a role. Lane Kiffin didn't admit it on Monday, but he pretty much admitted it. He was asked specifically about how John Rice could be utilized if he's not the starting quarterback, which he's not going to be. And Lane Kiffin said, effectively, I'm not going to give that away. I'm not going to tell you what we're going to do with John Rice Plumley. You know from watching tape, you know from seeing him in action, that regardless if he lines up a quarterback or wherever, he's one of the best players you have offensively. But it's always been an old football adage. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. So if John Rice is going to be used, if Matt Corral's the main guy, how can he be used that doesn't take away from Matt Corral and his rhythm and staying plugged into the game, if you will, as the starting quarterback? How do you incorporate John Rice? It's tough, man. I mean, it, I've, I've rarely seen a two-quarterback system work. I mean – you, you can't just be subbing these guys in and out. What do you put John Rice in there for first and second get down and bring Matt Corral in or, or on second down you bring John? I mean, it's, it's going to start giving away the pass or run. I mean, my thought is, you know, if, if Matt Corral's the guy, put him in there. If he's scoring touchdowns and he don't come out, period. If he's not if he's not moving the offense, you give John Rice the same, same you know, plays that you're giving Matt and you – you know, if he's moving the offense, you keep him in there. And it's just it, sometimes it's tough to switch back and forth like that. But I mean, I'm sure they'll use him in packages because he's so fast. But <clears throat> at some point, you got to choose your guy and um, you got to roll with it. I mean, if, if you're going to be a passing offense, and you hope John Rice comes along and can throw well. But you know, Matt's obviously going to have the advantage there. But you know, you, you just got to you got to go with the guy. You got to find your guy early on in the first, within the first couple of weeks, and you got to ride him out until he can't do it. Again, we don't know. We don't know how he could be utilized. I've heard just from talking to some people, that almost effectively has three offenses. Matt Corral's offense, 
If he fails John Rice Plumley's offense, and if that fails a combination or whatever, it's it's effectively three offenses. I don't think that's necessarily a new thing. All coaches prepare for all situations, correct? To where if this fails, this is what we're going to quickly transition to or quickly adjust to because game flow and game action is a totally different animal than practice. What a guy looks like in practice might not translate, so you have to be able to adapt on the fly. Not to say that you're going to throw the whole book out, but John Rice and Matt Carroll have two drastically different type of playing styles. So if John Rice Plumley has to play quarterback because Matt Carroll is ineffective, the offense is going to look different. But if Matt Carroll is moving the ball, John Rice in the game, I think there are times when you could see Ole Miss line up with Matt Carroll at quarterback and he's flanked by John Rice Plumley and Jerrion Ely. And if you're an opposing defense, that's a lot. Yeah, I think I think John Rice will he'll be in there. He'll get a package. But and and to your point, I think I think yeah that the, the they install one big offense and it's it's the Lane Kiffin offense, and they're going to pick the plays that fit each player within that offense. So it, you can look at it as two offenses, but but there are certain plays in every single offense, and this was every quarterback that I've been in, especially when you go into NFL preseason, you you obviously play, you know, everybody gets to play. So every quarterback kind of has like their little set deal that they really like. And they, and they communicate with the coach. Hey, this is the plays that I like so forth. So it's, it's one big offense. Everybody will know the plays, but, but within that offense, there's stuff that when you get in there, you're probably going to call this more likely for John Rice than you would for Matt Corral. Matt Corral is going to have his plays that he likes. So yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll have their own things, but I don't think it'll be necessarily two or three different offenses. I think it'll be you know one big offense and they'll have each one of them have their box of the plays that they like and that they like to run. What's the most concerning thing, really? The quarterback stuff or the fact that Ole Miss on the offensive line is starting a redshirt freshman in Reese McIntyre at left guard, a redshirt freshman in Jeremy James at right guard, and their veteran center, in my opinion, and a future NFL player in Ben Brown. He's been in and out of practices for two weeks because I think of an ankle injury. Again, nothing is disclosed from Lane Kiffin in regards to injuries or COVID. Which one of those is more important? The thing about the offensive line, though, is we have a center, which you know hopefully Ben's healthy, and we have two experienced tackles. So, to me, if you, I've said this before on here, it, it, you can, I would rather my guards be the young ones in there because you can always, you're in between three really good players, and you can, there's a lot of things you can do to cover up the guard. Where I get concerned is if my tackles were, were younger and um, didn't have really good experience. I think that's where you can have some real issues. Um, you know, I, every tackle that comes in from the from the beginning kind of struggles, and not every. There's some that are really good, but I mean, but for the most part, that's one that's really tough to to, to send a young guy out there on. So, I mean, I, I think the O line's going to actually do better than 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 what what, what people think. I kind of do too, because Nick Broker, in my opinion, is a future NFL player, and for a true freshman last year, didn't start a ton of games at left tackle, but really started to take over the position toward the end of the year and held up really well, which is impossible to usually do as a true freshman. Listed now at 305, he was not 305 last year. I would say that 15 pounds ago was what he was playing um, as far as a true freshman at left tackle last year for Ole Miss. So that in and of itself is a real accomplishment, which encourages you about his potential there. But you and I have talked about this ad nauseum. Guards are the easiest position to break in on the offensive line. Usually you've seen Ole Miss do this with Bobby Massey, with Michael Orr. Um, A lot of guys, when they come in, they start out as guards, get settled in, and then you move them outside. But for those guys, Jeremy James, Reese McIntyre, that are starting games now for Ole Miss, going to start the season opener against Florida on Saturday. What then is your advice as an offensive lineman, as someone who knows this position 
as well as anybody possibly could. How can you be effective? How can you not be the weak link on that offensive line as a guard? What things, what attributes do you have to have in order to be successful immediately? Well, yeah, I mean, these young guys are going to have to go out there and realize, like, hey, you're going to make a mistake or two here and there, but how do you bounce back from that? How do you fight back from that, from those mistakes? Some of the guys that have struggled at O-line over the years that I've seen are guys that when they start messing up, they can't get out of the funk. And these young guys, my only advice would be, hey, go out there and do the exact technique your, your O-line coach is telling you to do within your scheme. And if as long as you don't lean, lean forward too much, and, and you stay upright and you do and you battle – you should be fine. I mean, you're going to have a loss or two, but you know, how can you bounce back? Or are you one of those guys who gets gets beat and kind of goes into a shell, or are you going to get beat and take take offense to it and fight back? So, I think that that's that's I mean, that's the main thing for for young for young offensive linemen. And then then you learn from your mistake. Hey, can you not repeat the same mistake twice? And um, once you get get that mindset, you'll you'll, you'll roll. You'll do well. Another thing too is fatigue, right? Because now in game simulations in practices. It's not the same. You can only replicate the game so much. And in the game, the conditioning that you're going to have to have, the fatigue that's going to set in and fighting through that, that's only something that can be learned in-game. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you know, obviously the first game to me was always the hardest because you you spend all camp, you're grinding, you know, you're going against the same guys, you kind of get in this, this creature habit because usually you roll out there and you're going against the same DN every day and – you kind of got his move down pat with it. Now you're facing somebody else, and it's he has a different move. And then, you know, it's just that that first game, getting that getting that wind, getting that wind going, the, the full game. So you being able to finish guys, being able to cut guys, being able to do you know all, all, all the really finishing things that, that you can't do to your own teammates. A lot of the times in practices, it kind of gasses you a little bit. So yeah, we'll see early on how their, their conditioning should get better and better each week. But that first game was always it always takes you a week or two to get to get 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 the dog fight out of you. Guards don't face the same kind of pass rushing moves or just moves in general that tackles do. So if you're Jeremy James, if you're Reese McIntyre, what are you looking out for as far as how opposing defensive tackles are going to attack you? Because Jarrell Poe, he's going to come up here in just a minute. He talked about how his favorite thing to do was the uh, bull rush and pull, right? That That's how effectively yeah. you get to a guard is use your leverage, get underneath, uh, push them back toward the quarterback, and then you pull his ass and then – get to the quarterback is that really as a interior lineman that's kind of the book yeah I mean you're, you're going to get tested early on when you're in the interior I mean it, it, that's a that's a very close quarters game it's a very power on power kind of game I mean there's not a whole lot of room on each side so those guys are looking to to get pushed and then like like Poe was saying it, it, that's why I said you don't want to lean I mean when you start leaning these guys are strong they'll pull you and everything else so you know the, <clears throat> they'll get tested early on and if they can they can sit down that bull rush and you know, stay upright, they should be fine. See, here's the thing that I love that you brought up earlier. As far as not allowing a mistake to be compounded with another mistake and another. You're going to make mistakes. You're not going to be perfect. The mental aspect of just bouncing back, that's important. It's a tough or sore subject for you. And we've never really talked about it on this podcast, but that South Carolina game was hard for you, but it's something that made you the offensive lineman that you were, right? Because you learned from that game and took from that game physically, mentally, what it meant to be at left tackle and be on that island and knowing that that's the most visible position on the offensive line. It's a lonely place to be, but you learned. You learned how to effectively handle it and what it meant to stay involved or stay engaged in the game even though mistakes are going to happen. Is that fair? 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that was my, that was my first ever SEC start, and I could have easily <clears throat> taken that start and really went into the tank. But you know, it happens. I mean, I, I took it I took it personal. I took it, hey, you know, I didn't play very well, let my team down, kind of deal, and you know, just just fight to get better. And and trust me, that wasn't my last worst game. I mean, there was there was games. You know, after that, that were bad. There were games in the NFL where they were bad. I mean, it's, it's how are you going to bounce back? I mean, you, you just got to – that people respect guys that will take a, take a beating and stand up and want to come back up there and get better. And, I mean, I was no superstar by any means, but I always had a lot of fight. And that's 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 what made me have a long career. I mean, it's it's not that I was perfect, but I knew when I messed up, I took it personal. And, you know, I worked as hard as, hard as my, my physical limitations would take me to get better. So yeah, I mean that's you, you you have games. I mean there's there's multiple games. That was you know was my I was you know tell what 19 20 years old in yeah. South Carolina and didn't 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 play my best versus one of the you know better players in the SEC at the time. But you know you just you fight back and you you, you figure out a way to hey I'm going to get better and I'm going to try to you know try your hardest to, to never let it happen again. And hey it'll it'll happen again. I mean there's it all it takes is one or two plays and it makes your whole night look terrible. So I mean it's yeah it's it's how do you bounce back. All right, before we jump to Poe on the Modern Women phone line, Florida coming up this weekend, season opener. It's game week. We're here. It's happened. It's arrived. I'm as surprised as anyone. All right. Ole Miss wins if what happens? Well, I think Ole Miss wins if we can if we can get some turnovers. I mean, obviously, all games like this, we get, we get some good turnovers, which gives us a short field. And if we control the clock, let's get out there and run the football. I mean, I know this. We like to, you know, spread offenses now, whatever. But let's go out there. Let's establish the run, and um, get some turnovers on defense. I think we run the ball and get some turnovers. We'll, we'll have a chance to win this game. Does Ole Miss knock off Florida? Ugh. It, I, just be honest. I, I, I don't shocked. see it, Brad. I just don't see it. And I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to be cynical. Florida's good, and Ole Miss has got so much uncertainty. I just don't see it. I don't think necessarily that Ole Miss is going to get beat by. 15 or more. I don't know what my prediction is going to be on Friday when we release it on the Ole Miss Spirit, but I don't see how they win this game. I just don't. The reason why I think that it would be tough for us to win this game is is because the new coach. I mean, we, we didn't have – there hasn't been a ton of time to prepare for this game. I mean, you say, hey, oh, camp was, was X amount of time, but, I mean, dude, it takes a lot longer than this. I can see this thing starting out a little shaky. I really can, um, just until we kind of get settled in and then – yeah, you want to see steady, steady progression after that. But I, if we pull this one off, um, <laughs> we got our coaches are the, are the real deal to be able to prepare a team in, in that short amount of time. I'll, I'll be, I'll be more than happy for the future if we can, if we can step up and beat a team like Florida the first, first game in the year. If you can find a way to not start zero three, that's a real accomplishment. Kentucky's a really good football team. If you knock off Kentucky, while it doesn't look as sexy as knocking off Florida. That's almost an equally impressive accomplishment. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, you just don't know, like, like I said, man, we'll see. When you want, once we roll this, once we roll this thing, didn't Florida? I think Florida lost some receivers. I mean, they lost yeah. quite a few yeah. receivers or something. Yeah. I was reading. So, dude, mm-hmm. you don't know. I mean, it, it, we we could be really good and, and not even know. We'll, we'll know. <laughs> I'll know by halftime. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what kind of year it's going to be pretty pretty quickly. Just looking at schematically yeah. and then. Um, what, what kind of talent we have on defense? I, I got to check the defense out. I mean, I don't know what kind of depth we have. Looking at some of these names, I don't know that I've um, <laughs> you know heard, heard many of these guests. <laughs> uh, and Otis Reese, we don't know whether or not he's going to be clear. Dean Leonard's still waiting for the rubber stamp from the SEC. Those are two guys that could potentially start for Ole Miss. That hurts hey, that they don't know you, hey, which is quick, ridiculous, quick, man. 
Quick, quick question. So, reading the depth chart, they use the or word pretty good. So, so is Snoop Connor the third running back? Because I see you got Jerron Ely or Henry Parrish, and then you got Snoop Connor or Taylan Taylan Knight. Yeah. Is is Snoop the the number three? I don't know if he's not the number three right now. I really do. I think they love Henry Parrish. I really do. Really, and that's what's nuts because I think Snoop Connor is going to play on Sundays. You love Scotty Phillips. Okay, last year, full disclosure here. Okay, so me and Brad talk off the record all the time about football stuff. And during the games, even when Jerrion and Snoop were taking over for an offense that better suited them than Scotty, you were saying, look, Scotty's an NFL running back. And sure enough, he was on the active roster for the Houston Texans game one, and he's an NFL running back already. You know it when you see it. I would be surprised if Snoop is truly the number three, but that's what it looks like it's listed as. And I've heard that Ole Miss has really tried to, or struggled to, find snaps or reps or handoffs or carries for Snoop during fall camp. And that's surprising to me because, again, Lane Kiffin, he understands his personnel. He understands who's going to be good and who's going to um, help him win. If Snoop can help him win, he's going to give Snoop the ball. If Snoop Connor is the number three running back, I'm feeling real good. Uh, I, I would have taken Snoop Connor in a heartbeat whenever I was there. So if he's if he's the number three running back, I, I think we're pretty good in the backfield. I mean, that this Henry Parrish kid must be really talented. Snoop's a lot like Brandon Bolden to me. Yeah, I, I, I like that comparison. I, th- I think they're very similar, um, similar type body styles. But the people don't realize, man, Brandon Bolden was a freak athlete. Really I mean, he, I, I'm not surprised he's played so long. The dude can do anything. And to be honest with you, I think I think Brandon Bolden could have been a good defensive player. I mean, you see, he's so good at special teams. I always thought we could have used him on defenses at some, some time or another. He's Duke can tackle, man. He's, he's, he's a really good tackler. We've only scratched the surface here about all the things we're going to touch on this week leading up to Ole Miss in Florida. Brad is now co-hosting this podcast. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you, man. Um, I appreciate you coming on and joining, and uh, hopefully you'll have some fun with it. We'll have some fun with it. It's a good first start. We're going to jump to Poe now, so i got to say goodbye, but – Thanks for doing this, man. It's fun. Let's do it again. Yep. We'll keep it up. I'll be on here. I look forward to talking about all Ole Miss or any questions. I'm, I'm excited about it, man. It'll be fun. This is Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett. He's Bradley Sal. Going now to the Modern Women phone line to speak to Jarrell Poe, former Ole Miss defensive tackle, all-time great fan favorite. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. When you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Let's hear from Poe, but first, a brief word from BNA Bank and Modern Woodman. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. 
1-800-242-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. Going now to the Modern Woodman phone line. It's my buddy, good friend of the program, former Ole Miss defensive tackle, all-time Ole Miss fan favorite. It's Jarrell Poe. Poe, what's up, man? Big Ben, how you doing, bro? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I can't complain at all. Well, get pumped, man, because Ole Miss football is coming back. I know Ole Miss fans are excited. I don't know if they know this, though. On Sunday, the day after Ole Miss opens its season against Florida, number six Florida on Saturday, will be the 12-year anniversary of y'all's upset of Florida in the swamp, making Tim Tebow cry. We are getting old, Poe. I remember it like it was yesterday. Getting old fast. Don't seem like it's been 12 years. feel like it was just the other day, man. It goes fast, don't it? It goes fast, and that game was such a turning point. It was the fifth game of Houston Nut. I just remember vividly Shea's catch, Kentrell's extra point block, temp stop on fourth down. What comes back the most for you? What rushes back when you think about that game? Was it a galvanizing moment for you guys? Oh, most definitely. First of all, it was a, it was a very great feeling just to be able to quiet 95,000. Fans walking out of that stadium, you couldn't hear. You could actually just hear us talking on the field and celebrating, like they were just in disbelief. But one of the things that stick out about the game was, of course, Kentria blocking the field goal, but stopping them on fourth down and, t- and Temple making the tackle when we knew it was the power coming. You know, the quarterback power. Everybody knew, pretty much knew what was coming. Ain't nobody really been able to stop that play with Tim Tebow running, and for us to stop it, man, that was just a hell of a feeling man so that's one of the that's probably the the biggest play of course that stick out in my mind and of course Ken Trail blocking that field goal what was the celebration like on the field and I've heard that the in the locker room celebration yeah yeah just in the locker room celebration I know we went Houston nut die everybody was slaying water bottles like we had done won a championship game man hell of a feeling that's one of the things I tell people the most that I miss about the game was a celebrated locker room and we, man, we, we celebrate our heads off that day. Everybody talks about former players that I talked to after the game is over. Yeah, you miss playing. That was so much of your life. That was your life for so long. But it's the camaraderie, and it's that brotherhood that even the guys that you don't get along with, mm-hmm. but you go to battle with, that's what they miss the most. Is that the same kind of deal for you? Oh, yeah, most definitely. It's a brotherhood. You know, those five thirty workouts, man, those one tens and just – you know, like uh, Houston used to say, just being a band of brothers. I mean, it just brought us closer. So you kind of miss that That when the game is over with. We kind of keep in touch with a lot of guys through social media, uh, stuff like that. But, you know, you just just miss being around the guys and the friendships that you created while, while playing ball because football just brought us together and made us much closer. It's so cool, man, because I've caught up with so many guys over the course of this pandemic. All I've had is time. Talked to Kite. I've talked to Marche Green, Johnny Brown. Yeah, I mean, just so many guys. Oh, yeah. Good guys, man. Yeah, and Kite's a guy, for example, that gets forgotten in all that and how productive he was and how solid of a dude he was. Hell of a player. Exactly. I mean, 
everyone remembers Drell Poe. Everybody remembers Kentrell Lockett, but it's the Kites. It's the Johnny Browns. It's Marche mm-hmm. and that dog mentality. Those are the guys that, again, you lose touch as you get older because that's just what happens in life. But, man, for a time there, it's special because y'all were so close and y'all were so tight-knit and y'all went and accomplished something that has gone down in Ole Miss history as one of the greatest days in Ole Miss sports. Not just Ole Miss football. I mean, beating Florida in the swamp and Tim Tebow crying, that was special, man. <laughs> oh, that was real special, man. Uh, somebody sent me the speech he had made uh, after we had beat him up. About a couple of months ago, we were just sitting around talking about it. But I guess we didn't know, how, you know, we didn't know how big that win was. But man, that that win was like huge, man. I think that was the turning point for Ole Miss football too. But that's when we, you know, we had turned it around that year. I think we had went three and nine those two seasons before. And uh, after that game, I think we really started to believe that we can be something special. And that's when we turned around. And we, I think we went nine and four that year. Wanted to beat, beat Texas Tech in the Cotton Bowl. So that was like a big turning point in that game right there. See, that's something that never needs to be forgotten. Y'all had to, re- like, figure out how to win because y'all had been so close so mm-hmm. many times. Y'all knew that you had the talent. Mm-hmm. It was just about getting over the hump. So what was the sense of relief, if that's the right word for it, once you did get that big win? That we can play with anybody. I mean, we had put the work in. And like you said, we had came up close so many times before. I mean, uh, I remember when the year before, uh, whenever I think it was probably two years ago. No, it was the year before we beat Florida, of course. I remember like it was yesterday. Uh, Mike Wise had caught the bomb, the, like the 80-some-yard bomb. We came up close against Florida. So that year after that, we played them down in the swarm and we beat them. I think when we, like, like you said, when we was able to beat a top five team like that, we believe we could play with anybody. We believe right then we could play, we could beat anybody. We had the talent. We always believed, but then that swagger just really came like we we know we can we know we finna go out here and beat them. You know? So I like I said, like that was just a key turning point in Ole Miss football when we beat Florida. Like it, it was nobody we thought we couldn't be. I mean, they what they say Texas Tech was gonna run us off the field. I mean, we went out there and hit him in the mob. Hit Graham Harrell, Crabtree in the mob. There was nobody we we believed that we couldn't beat that year. Marche told me that he lined up across from Michael Crabtree, and he just saw the disrespect that Michael Crabtree had for him. And that's the worst thing mm-hmm. you can do to Marche Green, is completely disrespect. Right, right. Yeah, hell of a player. And that was a, a good example of how y'all approached the season from that point on. But still, having said that, I have no idea will never make sense to me how the hell y'all lost to Vanderbilt. <laughs> Man, you know, just just sleeping on them. Just it was one of those games we kind of just slept on them, man. And, and by the time guys got their piss hot, it was too late. They had the momentum. But, I mean, it, it happened that way sometimes. But Parade went in for that touchdown. I thought, oh, man, it's about to be a roll. But, yeah. no, no. We had him when he picked up that farmer, man. We, we thought, you know, like I said, they just had that. It was too late. You know what I mean? They just they had our they had our number that day. It's fun to remember. That make SEC special. That would make SEC so special, man. At the end of the day, you can't take none of it. Whether it's a Vanderbilt, Kentucky, we have been like that before. I mean, here LSU. I talked, you know, she, she used to uh, talk to all the LSU guys when I played at Kansas City. That's one of the things they say they hate playing Ole Miss because, like, you can't. Don't care what their season was. They're going to give us their best game. 
So that's what's special about the SEC. You got to get up to play every damn Saturday when you're playing the SEC school. What's it like in the NFL when you talk to different guys who play? Like Glenn Dorsey was there with you at Kansas City. He's from LSU, an all-time LSU great. You're an all-time Glenn LSU Dorsey. Yeah, just Glenn what is Dorsey. it like to like get to know those dudes? Oh, it's great, man. I mean, just to sit around and just talk about one of the things where everybody used to always kind of talk about in the locker room of the, the strength and conditioning program. <laughs> I don't know why, but we used to always compare our strength and conditioning programs to one another, just talked about, like, how many 110s we had to run. Oh, shoot, man. We used to have to run 22. And just getting to go, you know, just, I mean, those guys was cool. Everybody was cool. So, I mean, it was fun to just kind of, know how they done we sit around and talk about how they done things at day school and how we done things and the weirdest thing is everybody wanted to know what believe it or not, pre game meals and like little weird stuff like what they used to feed y'all for pre game meals. Stuff like that. I mean just getting to know what how things was at Ole Miss and how things were done in Alabama. I mean it was cool. Everybody was everybody was real cool, man. Cool guys. Well I mean you had some stories about pre game meals. That was the Pete Boone day, so I mean, the hamburgers before LSU. Y- y'all got shortchanged a pretty good bit, man. He was a penny pinching yeah. when it came to pregame. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we leave that long. Leave that long. All right, all right, all right. Couldn't help myself. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just part of it. But it's it's a unique thing because I don't know if the SEC schedulers had this in mind. I doubt they did. I doubt that. It's just completely coincidental, I would guess. But the fact that almost opens with Florida – a day before the 12-year anniversary of y'all beating Florida, it adds a little bit more ump to this game if there could already be a little bit more ump. Now, Ole Miss is playing a 10-game All-SEC schedule. It's going to be an absolute grind, and Florida's a top-six team. Ole Miss, we don't know really what Ole Miss is going to be, but you've been in those wars before when you were a prohibitive underdog. I think the last line I saw for Ole Miss Florida was 15 points in Florida's favor. So knowing what that position is like as a player – what is the approach like? Is it a free shot kind of deal? Well, you just got to come out there and approach it like any any game. They can't worry about that. They got to come out there, do what they told, you know, go execute the game plan and just put our best shit out on the field and just let the cards play out how they may. I mean, you can't worry about, uh, you know, the line and all that crap. But, but they can, that don't matter. They can be beat. We just got to go out there, execute the game plan, and just hit them in the mouth. Here's my deal, though. I'm concerned, and this is why I really wanted to have you on, outside of the obvious being that Florida, the 12-year anniversary of that upset win. But Ole Miss's number one question mark going into the year is its defensive tackles. When you first got into a game, your first game action, and you were trying to make your mark, you were trying to be an asset for a defense. Like these guys are going to try to be a defensive tackle and help your linebackers. What's the first thing that you had to do? What did you know assignment-wise you had to do to ensure you weren't a weak link for the rest of the defense? Well, first of all, you know, I mean, you got to go out and execute what you what you're supposed to do. Everybody, you know, you got to you got to play within the defense and do your assignment and gain the trust up from the defense. You know, what I mean, I think I know we're a little undersized. I mean, I didn't see a lot of undersized guys be able to hold up, but I, I, I can't say these guys not gonna hold up or not. But I know we're a little undersized. But I think if those guys got some dog in them, go out and execute the game plan, play a gap, play gap assignment football, then I feel like I will be able to make up for it in the linebackers. 
you know, help those guys out. Just as long as they do their job. It's one of the things that, I mean, in the NFL, if you look at the Patriots, besides Vince Whitford, the, uh, I've seen the Patriots defense. I like the Patriots, but they always had some underside defensive tackles as well. But those guys play gap assignment football. I, one of the guys that stick out to me is um, Bobby Hamilton. I don't know if you know that name. He's a local guy from Columbia, Mississippi. Well, Bobby was uh, he wasn't your traditional defensive end in the three four deep in the three four scheme. He was a smaller guy, but he could, but he was a technician, man. He was good with his hand. He was good with his feet, and man, he executed the game plan. Bobby was able to play fourteen years in that three four in that three four scheme. And I mean, you talk to a lot of guys, you got to be a war daddy to be able to play that four technique and two gap. And he was like about two eighty. Probably about six two, you know, smaller guy. But that goes back to what I was saying. Like if those guys are able to execute the game plan, then that size don't matter. They'll hold up. I mean, everybody got to be able to just execute. They do their assignment, and we'll be fine. Gonna jump right back to Jarrell Poe in this edition of Talk of Champions. After I tell you briefly about Cheney's Pharmacy, another proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Believe it, the return of Ole Miss football has arrived. The Rebels are playing. Really, it's happening. But as exciting a time as it is, make sure you're staying safe. And that includes trusting that your pharmacy has you taken care of. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years. As red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down. It's not close. So give Cheney's a call. 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Stay safe. Enjoy some football. And make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy. Much more than just a pharmacy. You've played in a 3-4. You've played in a 4-3. DJ Durkin's utilizing a 4-3 multiple scheme. What does that mean for the defensive tackles, their responsibilities? Well, it's differently. Uh, you know, in a 3-4, in a it's more of a two-gap unless we play a – I mean, you could you could do a lot of things to make the uh, you could uh, do a lot of things to make the the D tackles right. In a three four scheme, if you play in a three four attack, I mean, it's a three four attack, or if you play in a three four read, it's a different scheme. In a four three, when more was more of attack, and we're getting off the ball. So I mean, in Kansas City, we play more of three four read and react. I mean, I had the backside gap or the center, whichever way. If he went left. I had to, you know, keep him from climbing to the linebacker, but I had the backside eight and Mike had the front side. And uh, when I was in Kansas City, I mean, to say when I was with the Redskins, we did more with three, four attack, meaning that we we, we played, we would line up at a three, four, but we, we were more so attacking the gaps. And we offset the nose. Just, you know, you can play with it differently. But I enjoyed playing in the four, three better. I didn't like to read and react to catching blocks. In a 4-3-2 as a defensive tackle, that allows you more freedom as far as attacking a gap or an offensive lineman in front of you, right? 
Right, man, oh man. Uh, you getting off the ball more, just don't lose your gap. You getting off the ball, you I mean, you just you rooting up the field and getting your hands on the offensive line. But more so just getting off the ball. What was your move to get past offensive linemen? You bull rushed guys pretty good, right? Yeah, well, probably one of my little go to moves was probably like the push pull. That's one of the things I like to like you said, bull rushing because I mean uh, of course, in high school, I liked the swim move. That worked, but, you know, you play on different levels. A lot of that stuff's kind of – you had to throw a lot of that out your toolbox. I mean, a lot of guys are more athletic, quicker, and that, that don't work. So I'm more of a push-pull guy. On the long run, because I play with power, I try to do, utilize my power more. So push-pull, long gone, bull rush. How did you generate your power? I mean, just setting guys up, maybe like a shake bull, you know, setting guys up for stuff like that. Setting them up and bulling them. That's kind of one of my go-to moves. Yeah, you'd be terrifying to go one-on-one with. And I don't just say that because <laughs> you're a friend of mine, but, like, my God. You can get low on people. That's the thing. You're not a super tall guy, but even still, you could get so low. Well, you got to play with limbs. You got to play with limbs and play yeah. behind your pads. So that's kind of like, you know, just get them with a shake bull. You know, rush them up, rush up the field a couple of times, hit them with a long gun, or act like I'm taking them up and bull. What was more fun for you, sacking a quarterback or getting that interception in the egg ball? <sighs> Probably the interception in the egg ball. Mm-hmm. So, hey, I actually was, uh, I seen uh, a couple of Mississippi State guys like uh, Brick Noni. I follow those guys on social media. So, they was talking crap the other day, and I had posted on Instagram. Uh, the highlights we had when we beat them forty-five to zero. So you had Big uh, Craig Jenkins and Brick Noni. They was talking noise. They was like they had a little picture of some him and Brick Noni, and they was they was playing against us, and they were like we don't even say their name. All that little crap. So I had tagged them in a little video I posted on Instagram. I said just so just a little reminder, just in case you guys forgot, don't y'all forget this beat down. <laughs> so they was just talking noise back and forth, but. It was all funny, guy. But I would say the interception, most definitely. That was the first year I'd returned from New Orleans after my first job out of college. It was my first year on the beat covering Ole Miss sports. And the first game I covered was the LSU game, and the second one was the Egg Bowl. It was so uncomfortable watching how much y'all wrecked that poor quarterback. I mean, those kids. I think they we had ran two. through three of them, right? Yeah. We ran and through three of them. Yeah. I was legitimately concerned about the health of those kids. <laughs> that was the hell of a We had like 12 sacks. It was awful. And, and again, if you're an Ole Miss fan, it was just wonderful. But still, those kids. I mean, y'all were in the backfield pretty much every single play. If it wasn't you, it was Parade. If it wasn't Parade, it was 40. If it wasn't 40, it was. Uh, Greg, Hardy. Tillman, Greg Hardy. It, 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 I mean, just everybody got back there. It was like y'all were trying to beat each other to the quarterback, and pretty much it was a one, two, three, four finish because everybody was getting back there. We had a hell of a day that day. I think everybody, I think everybody would probably left that game with not a sack, TFL. I mean, all across the board. I think everybody graded out in the nineties of that game. Oh, it was the perfect defensive line game. That's how good y'all were. Are you going to watch the game this weekend? Come on, Ben. Did you really just ask me that? I have to. It's a setup question. Come on, man. Of course I'm going to watch the game. You know I got to sit back and critique how we looking. You already talking to those about the D-line. I got to check these guys out. That's what I want. I want text messages, and I'm sure I'll get them anyway. 
But once you see I Ole promise, Miss, I will yeah. be sending them to you too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Ben, what is Ryder like Anderson that. doing? He's getting washed down, shit like that. You know, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I know, man. I think we're really gonna be fine. I think Coach is gonna bring a lot of swagger to the team. Get some guys in here pretty quick that'll help us. I think this ten game SEC game uh, um, season is gonna grow a lot of guys up quicker. Uh, we're gonna be young at a lot of a lot of positions, so I think this is gonna help us going into next year. Though it's gonna be real big. We'll get a bunch of recruits in here that can help us, so I think we'll be fine. Can you imagine though? You having to play a ten game all SEC schedule. You mentioned it earlier about Vanderbilt, Kentucky. It doesn't matter in the SEC. Every single week, the other team can seemingly beat right, you. I mean, that's a tough. I mean, that's a yeah. tough slate, man. That's yeah, that's tough duty, man. I mean, but those guys got to embrace it, man. Like I said, this is gonna be this is gonna be real big for them, man. A lot of guys gonna grow up fast. So I mean, you be able to tell the difference when we go against a, a smaller school next year, man. Them guys gonna wreck them guys. It's actually a really good point. I didn't think about it that way. It's going to be good. Though. I can't wait. I'm excited, man, just to see how many we'll be able to get out of these teams. I've asked this to every single former player, but you mentioned it, how many wins they could get. What's a successful season? Is it four wins? Five wins? 500? I mean, do they have to get to 500? Uh, I'm happy with six, man, to be honest with you. I mean – we we like you said we 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 need help. Of course, we need some help in a, um, a couple of positions. I mean, it's a ten SEC game season. That's tough duty for a program that's on that's trying to turn around. That's tough. That's tough for any program, but especially for a turn for a program that's trying to turn things around. But I mean, I'm happy with five hundred. Be honest with you, but I, I want to see us get six or better. Six. I mean, six is. Six would be really doing. I mean, that'll be really, really <laughs> successful. But yeah, I'm super. But you know, I'm always super. My team. No, oh, you're an eternal so. optimist. That's the one thing I love about you, Poe. You're an eternal optimist. Yeah. You're always going to be on the high end of that kind of prediction. I can't wait to talk shit to Tyson Jackson and Glenn them in the group chat every time we win. So I mean, so I ain't. Uh, we and we're gonna beat LSU ass this year. We're gonna beat them. <laughs> well, here's the thing about LSU is. They've lost so much. I'm not talking about injury and, of course, in the draft last year, but their best players opting out. Jamar Chase opting out, that is a big deal. And Ole Miss has fortunately not been hit by any of their big, big names opting out. LSU, on the other hand, they have certainly been hit hard by that. They most definitely have. So, I mean, I think that's going to hurt their uh, – I think this is going to hurt their season. I'm going uh... to – I'm interested, interested to see how this guy gonna, this quarterback going to do. This kid from Mississippi. I yeah. think they said he's from the country. So yep. I'm interested to see how he's going to play. Miles Brennan out of Mississippi. It's interesting, too, that Ole Miss is finishing the season with LSU. It's not Mississippi State. It's not the Egg Bowl. You're a Mississippi guy. I can't remember the last time this happened, if it's ever happened. That's a unique thing. The environment itself could be not just unique, but pretty wild. It was, uh, yeah, the, yeah most definitely, it most definitely will be. And I, I think it'll help us out, too. I mean, we want them to get beat up and banged up because I know we're going to get up for them. So we hope they, you know, get beat up, banged up, and overlook us. We can come out and hit them in the mouth. That trip to LSU, I think Mike caught that deep pass. Jevin had an absolutely monster day. That was another one back when y'all were playing and we're y'all rolling. They were in a fake punt. Yeah. Kendrick or Mike caught. I think it was Kendrick caught the fake punt. 
Y'all beat the crap and out of that team. They were a good team. Look, you went back and looked at that game when Snee was killing them, man. You know who he was going against, right? I mean, you know who he was throwing, what side he was throwing to, right? Whose side he was throwing to? Patrick Peterson? Peterson. Yeah, that was Peterson. Pat Peterson, man. We Those guys showed up and went at his head that day. Mike Wallace, Marquise Sommer, Dexter. I mean, that's a top five, what, top three? Mm. Top three, top five corner in today's game. Is there a guy on those teams, of those teams, of those Ole Miss teams, that surprised you that he didn't make it to the league, like a Marquis Summers, Alan Walker, one of those type of dudes? I think Jonathan Carnell should have got a better ship mm. chance than he got. Yeah. Jonathan Carnell was able to play a lot of football at Ole Miss and was a hell of a player. I think uh, Jonathan Carnell should have had a better chance. Shea Hodge should have played. I know injuries. Andrews, uh, happy to control the game. 40. I think actually Palmer, I always thought actually Palmer was going to play longer than he did, even though he had a nice run. And he played good ball in the NFL, made a lot of plays. So I think he should, I think, I think I looked, I thought he was going to play a little longer than that. So he played, uh, probably, uh, big Mo Miller. I always thought Mo Miller was a solid offensive lineman. What's always been on my mind about just those alumni that watch games and still are plugged into Ole Miss like you. When you see guys like D.K. Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Evan Ingram, you name it, the Ole Miss Rebels in the pros now. And y'all's time has come and gone. Bradley Sal, he's now unofficially but officially retired from the league. Is it the same kind of pride that you felt when you saw your teammates in the league, when you would go up against them and after the game you would see your former teammates – it's different. They're the young cats, right? They're the younger dudes. But do you still get that same sense of pride and accomplishment because it's Ole Miss? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I mean, we always – I mean, leading up to the game, guys always like to, you know, like when we get the Sky Report, we always like to point out, hey, man, that's an Ole Miss guy. I mean, that's an Ole Miss guy right there. He, oh, yeah, yeah, he played at Ole Miss. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, he played, oh, he played at LSU. Guys definitely like to point those – point that out. So, I mean – you always like to see uh, your former teammates, even if you didn't play with them. I mean, Ole Miss guys, period, do good on the other team, even though you might want to become you – you want to get the win, but you want to definitely see those guys do good. So last thing before we get out of here, the thing that most interests you about Ole Miss football in 2020 is what? Probably the 10-game SEC, yeah. <laughs> SEC schedule. Yeah. That's just how we're going to hold up, man. I just hope we hold up well, you know? Yeah, the Lane Kiffin stuff, that lasted about, oh, six months. And then you saw the SEC schedule, the all-SEC schedule, and you thought, okay, well, that changes the game. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. I just, want us, I just want us to go out there and do good. You know, not, not finish last or one of the team. I want us to go out and surprise guys. Let them know that, you know, this program is on the rise. See, and I think COVID could do that too, couldn't it? Because it allows all coaches – a preparation strategic advantage. They don't have to give away anything as far as COVID reports, injury reports. No media has been allowed to any practices. So really, outside of the coaches and the players, everybody else, when trying to predict this stuff, they're flying blind. Hell, Ole Miss could come out and be gangbusters. We don't know. Just never know, man. That's the funny thing about football. You just never know. All right, predict the game. Give me a score. Don't do me like that. You know, come on, man. I mean, look. Uh, gonna be like that Atlanta LSU. It's gonna be like that Atlanta Dallas game the other day. We're gonna get them by one point. Okay, okay. Same way we got them in the swamp. <laughs> okay. I would call it 
I would call it 28-27, Ole Miss win. I love it. It'd be a perfect bookend, wouldn't it, 12 years later, an upset of the Florida Gators? Because, Poe, you were there. You were in the swamp, a big part of it. You know, upset Tim Tebow. He cried. Maybe Kyle Trask cries after this Baby. game. I mean, who knows? We can do it. You just got to believe, man. He's Jarrell Poe, former Ole Miss defensive tackle, all-time great, fan favorite, good friend of the program. Buddy, thank you so much for doing this, man. I appreciate you. We'll talk again. I appreciate you. Anytime, man. Anytime you want to talk, just feel free to let me know.